Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Join me now for The Upcoming's 32nd episode, straight out of India. She's only 15, and yet she's already got three books done. Three books, people. She's got Truce to My Homies, and of course, this awesome book, Tales of Twinkling uh, Tweens. Sorry, I was about to say teens. Tales of Twinkling Tweens. And she's also got her own blog, internationally viewed, uh, straight from my pen. She's appeared on podcasts. She's appeared in magazines. She's just doing great things. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a girl who, when she wants to get something done, she gets it done. And now she's here to tell us about her journey, what she plans to do, where she's been, and just all the amazing things about her. So I am pleased to introduce to you all the great Risha Theresia. How's it going, Risha? It's doing great. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Risha, I always allow my guests to introduce themselves. So, in your own words, indulge us. Who and what exactly are you? Right. I perhaps thought introduce myself better than what you just did. However, I'm 15 and I'm an author, blogger, student, and also a literature advocate. So I've started writing since I was eight and I started off with blogging on Facebook and by doing plays in my own school. So I wrote my first book called Tears at 2019 when I was 11. And it's basically a tween's guidebook through life. And then I wrote my second one called True Snow's Initials at 13. So that's a story of five strangers and their journey from becoming from unconfident teens to becoming confident young adults and dealing with issues like self-esteem, body image, betrayal, health, and all of that. So it's more of like the journey of self-discovery and friendship and love. And my third novel, To My Homies, is around the same line. However, I've dealt with more mature topics, which have not been taught before, such as imposter syndrome and, and cheating and all of that. So that too is about mental health and it's about hope and of the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm also a financial literacy blogger. So being a student, I'm, I'm, I'm a business student. So I do financial literacy as well, whereas in turn in that law of nonprofits as well. And I'm a literature advocate. So I talk about reading among the youth through podcasts, interviews, events, and all of that. Because books have been a very, very integral part of my life, and I just want to share that joy with the world. Yeah. That is awesome. You've just see, look at that. You've done so much uh, in your life, and that's all the more reason I'm excited to have you on. So, you know, reading and literature, like you said, has been an integral part of your life and crucial. And so, I got I got I got to wonder, like, what do you think was probably the first book that really pushed you like into this path you're on? Right, so I don't actually honestly know how I started reading. It just happened. So 
I'm very, very close to my grandmother, and we had kind of a thing going on when when I was a child. That every night she used to tell me stories to put me to sleep. So my obsession or my love of stories began through there, and I al- always used to read newspapers right in the morning. So it I, I had to have my newspaper every morning. So that's how my kind of reading habit developed. And I do also remember whenever we used to go to a friend's house or for a visit to a relative's house, the first thing I used to do, I used to dash into the room and I and I used to read any book I I let my hand on. So I don't know how I started reading, but it just happened because of the love of it that developed me through my early life experiences. Okay, okay, I see. So it was just from just being like told stories uh, in bed to just just picking up newspapers, just eventually just reading your book. It all just came naturally. I love right. reading and writing. Okay, I see. That's good because you know it's just like I say, it's just it's just a little thing. It's just like that that can really uh, inspire people. So as we're now. Okay, let me ask you a random question. What's one book you're reading right now that you would recommend? Right now, I'm reading Evil Under the Sun by Adatha Christie. So it's a mystery novel, and it's a Hercule Poirot mystery. So, And I love Adatha Christie. I love the way she binds the stories and the suspense and all of that. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, folks, Agatha Christie, classic author right there. Just legendary in, uh, in her work right there. So now let's just uh, take a little bit uh, further, Risha. You know, so when you started writing your books, like tell me about some like the challenges you had because you were like stepping right into, you know, this whole new, like just realm of storytelling. It's a whole new, um, whole new format. So I know that there were a lot of, just a lot of things coming in your way. Was there, let me think, was, give us some, um, so they just take those challenges. Was it personal, like, you know, doubts or like uncertainty or something like like physical barrier, like lack of uh, resources? Like, take us through it. It was a mix of both. I mean, definitely writing puts at 11 and 13 was not easy. And none of my family comes from a literature background. So we had no idea of how the industry was, how you publish, if you're done with your manuscript, how do you contact publishers, how it works, what, what's the royalty system there. So that's something that my family and I looked over through the internet. And that's where my parents supported me. And they worked through all the paperwork and the formalities while I just had to write. So, I mean, something that I've challenges face is with time management since I was a full-time student. I am a full-time student as well. And as I grow older, my academic responsibility just keep on piling. So just managing that with match up curricular sports and my own personal life with writing has been pretty challenging and I just try to balance it all honestly. And I also struggled with things that every writer goes through like writer's plot self-doubt how do you plan your stories how do you do character growth how do you show and not tell so because I've, i'm constantly growing as an author and a writer as well so just learning the craft as i go and also one thing that i also primarily struggled with was finding readership was marketing my novels and reaching out to people since not many people are interested in reading the work of an 11 year old especially an 11 year old girl from a small town in india so just going around, so finding people who were interested in my work. Also, I was bullied when my first book came out by my own peers. 
So it's it's been challenging, but then yet again, I'd like to look at the positive side as well. I've received so much love and appreciation from my readers from all over. I've been supported immensely by my friends as well and my family. So I've been featured on podcasts like yours with people who've given me such wonderful opportunities to share my story like you. So I'm I'm also blessed in that way. So it's kind of been a roller coaster. It's it's an equalizer. So I, I just focus on the good aspects of it and not the bad. Yeah, because you know you saw that light at the end of the tunnel and. You um, had that hope and you wanted to you know, keep pushing towards it. And I remember that's something um, in the Bright Eyed podcast, you mentioned you wanted your readers to have just that little feeling of hope, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I imagine that's something you want to continue to give to your readers the more books you write, huh? Right. So my primarily uh, relationship with positivity and hope started uh, around the pandemic since the pandemic hit and it took a toll on all of our mental health, be it teens, tweens, adults, everybody, since we were just cooped up in a home, uh, distance from all friendships and all of that. So, and that's when I just saw a lot of negativity on the press. So there were news of people dying. There were news of political issues, this and that. So there was just a lot of negativity in the press and I just couldn't deal with any with it anymore. And I thought that I'm a writer and I strongly, strongly believe in the power a writer has and in the power that stories and words and literature have. It literally can change lives. So that's when I started writing positivity and about hope. And that's how my blog also actually started. So my blog started off as a positivity blog where I, where I used to do a weekly series called What Went Right This Week. So I used to share stories from all over the world about the good that happened if there were new inventions, if there was something wholesome on the internet. And that's how my blog started and it eventually grew into a financial literacy blog as I myself grew as well. And yeah, I just don't want my readers to go through the struggles that I have, both uh, personally and emotionally as well. And stories are a wonderful way of communicating that. So that's how it all started. I see. Yeah. It's the pandemic. What a weird time that was. And yet the one it's just, just so many mixed feelings about the pandemic because for some it was like just the worst time of their lives for others. It was like kind of like their wake up uh, moment because, you know, kind of forced them to look back on their lives and what they were doing and others. Yeah. They just decided, let's just break free as negativity. Let's find something positive in all of this. It was honestly looking back on it. It's, Really a fascinating time, but um, you know when you were when you were trying to you know build up you know, that still keep up that hope during a pandemic and try to like break free of all the like negativity. I can imagine like how it had to be like so tiresome because at the same time there was so much negativity and so much you know just division amongst the entire world, you know and. You know, being forced to like stay at home and everything, and like avoid, um, you know, like avoid your peers and like other family members, that had to be. I just imagine that had to be like just a lot of, like, personal like, like struggle, like personal like exhaustion from everything from that too, huh? Right, right. The pandemic was kind of like, as you said, a lot of mixed emotions. So when my friends look back at the pandemic, they're like, oh, oh we should chill around. We, we binged out Netflix. We tried 
we tried all these different things but when i look back at, at the pandemic all that look back is on me working on my novel and just blogging and i frankly never wailed around time in the pandemic like some of my peers did so and the pandemic was when i actually got free time to finish my novels to kind of analyze the things i wanted to do to learn to read so i'm pretty grateful for for the pandemic that way hmm okay there you go so yes that's moving on to your books now i got to be honest with you i started writing when when i was actually just about your age and i still have yet to finish a book of my own so you uh just being able to um send get these done and get these off i got to wonder like what your uh, writing process is like do you have like a routine or what i try to have a routine honestly seven days but it's just not possible so my writing process starts off with an idea so and the idea of a new novel comes in the most random of places and i might just be in class or i might be out with friends or i might be watching a movie when i just writes me so i just jot that idea down and then i come back home i discuss it with my mom and then we try to build on a story about where this could go what topics we could perhaps you know explore with it and then once we have a basic storyline in mind what i do is i go on pinterest and on pinterest there are a lot of um conversation starters or writing prompts so i go through those i go through those writing prompts and if i find something that seems interesting i write that down and then i try to build a conversation or a scene around that writing prompt and that's how different scenes develop in the novel and then gradually these scenes develop stories develop the character development happens and then that's how the entire story is shaped up and i primarily take my stories from my own experiences so with things that i or my friends or family have personally dealt with because i feel experiences are, are the best stories to tell so i kind of put that together with the blurbs or with the small snippets that i have and that's how the novel starts shaping up if that makes sense yeah it does it does make sense and you know it's just like one thing i picked up on was when you said that you know you base your books off of you know real life because it's just like that classic quote you know art imitates life and yeah i was hearing another thing from you know the bright podcast and you yourself you wanted to like break free of like stereotypes and everything you wanted people to like feel like the authenticity and just the reality of you know, your characters and that you know even like see themselves in these people because right we aren't all like one dimensional we have flaws we have you know good things about us and everything so what do you think might be some stories you've read that are you know guilty of this sort of act of just stereotyping uh their characters right so a lot of stories that i have read is about rebellious teenagers and how teenagers just want to go out party make friends will around time just you know and do like wrong stuff but is a lot of teens these days are not that teens are not rebellious people who want to break free of their homes or who feel um suffocated in their homes The, there are so many te- uh, teens who have dreams who have ambitions and who are working so very hard to achieve those dreams and some of them are my fans as well so not not every team has conflicts with their parents not every teen is rebellious there are teens or uh, teens with goals and ambitions as well 
that I, I've also read about these far-fetched fairy tale romances where the boy and girl meet and then they just magically fall in love and then things just work out. But that's not how life is. You don't always get the people that you like. So, and then those just set us up to this unrealistic standard of friendships, love, and relationships that is never really fulfilled in real life. And life is full of um, betrayals of falling and getting back up again. So it's not a fairy tale. It's not a movie. So that's what I just want to portray through my novels is the reality of it all. Not um, you don't always get what you want in life. You just you have to build yourself. You have to breathe and build. So that's kind of what I've read. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's really it's kind of a shame, really, when they just push that stereotype too much and people just get like the wrong idea. And you know, like you said, like not everything is rebellious. Not every you just randomly falls in love and like, you know, gets married or whatever. It's just not how things work. But one thing you've always got to appreciate in a character is um, the flaws, even especially like in the quote unquote perfect character, like they themselves will like go through something or they'll have like a darker side to them or something that where you're just like, they become a little bit more relatable. You what are some of like the most like common flaws you, um, you found, um, your characters having right so the character flaw is actually quite a pivotal part of my novel truce so truce is basically about five characters called udit tyra eddie ron and tia and each one of them has a specific issue in life so i'll start off with suppose udit so udit was a super soccer player who got a very rare disease and is now bedridden. So he had to leave his soccer career, his family, his girlfriend, everything. And now he's lost everything that he, he was proud of in life. And then Udit then tries to build himself back up and to kind of find a new passion, to kind of find hope in a new life. And then there's Clara, who's from a very, very rich family, and she's a social media influencer. So she's got to set up that perfect image of herself, of perfect life, rich, rich girl, perfect body, perfect everything. But that's not the reality inside. She's actually so burdened with that pressure of being perfect that she, she just wants to be free of it and be herself and show the world what real beauty is. And then there's Tia, who's been disappointed in friendship and in love. So she's lost her ability to trust people again. And then she's building that trust again. Then there's Ron, who's again a very rich guy, but then he's rich materialistically. He doesn't have any real relationship or any real friends. So he lacks that human connection. Then there's Eddie, who's an orphan. So he doesn't have that family love or that security. So it's kind of their stories of how these broken people at the bottom of their life meet. They become unlike they become unlikely friends, and then they help each other rebuild their life one step at a time, and just bloom into beautiful young adults. So, and and like even with Clara, who's supposedly a perfect girl, she has her own flaws. Even she sometimes gets so caught up in that world of social media that she herself doesn't see her authentic self. And Tia is so caught up in her heart that she refused to see beyond that. So even these characters have flaws. And not everybody is perfect. And that's what I've tried to depict through my novel truth. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, nobody's perfect. And yet you're able to bring all these characters together 
and just like help bring that hope into them. It reminds me so much of just that that movie. You ever seen uh, The Breakfast Club? I haven't. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a classic uh, film from the uh, from the eighties, and the way you uh, brought it together reminds me a lot of that because it truly is beautiful when these characters, these flawed characters, are able to just come together and like just be that like light and the hope for each other. Really, it's honestly just lets people know like, hey, it's not too late for you either, you know. So let's just uh, go down to your latest book, uh, to my homies. Because you mentioned, you know, just crazy things in the story, like, you know, self-esteem, uh, toxic and fake friends, you know, health, just a whole slew of uh, different uh, issues that are definitely real, especially amongst um, teens and young adults. And so when you base a lot of these, um, say you base a lot of these characters and, um, and plots off of uh, real life, uh, what do you think was one event in your life that most inspired you for um, To My Homies? Right. So I actually began writing To My Homies in a pandemic. And that's when pandemic was also a time when a lot of relationships evolved, when people changed, friendships changed. And even I myself lost friends. I lost people, like not lost as into death, but as in lost as in they went away from their lives. So I lost very, very dear friends. And that was, and I've always been somebody because I've been a reader and a writer. So I love very deeply. So when I lost these people who were so very dear to me, that and, and these were the same people who inspired my, no, my novel truth. So when I lost my friends who inspired me to write a story of friends, is what brought me to write to my homies where truth is also so much more of kind of what we want life to be. And to my homies became what life really is. Where friendships don't save you, but you save yourself. Where you've got to be independent, you've got to rely on your own self and, and on your family. So that's what inspired to my homies. Honestly, it's incredible. And yeah, it is so true. You do lose friends, but you also like gain new ones, even those like you can't always trust. And it's just this weird, this really emotionally confusing kind of like circle or cycle right there of like loss and gain. And pandemic was able to bring that to light. So Yeah, honestly, it's just, it's just honestly, just like I said, it's just so beautiful right there. So when you were, when you finished uh, To My Omies, did it leave you with like any thoughts at all or like make you like reflect at all of like what's like happened that brought you to write this? Well, honestly, writing both Truce and To My Homies was a very liberating experience for me. But this writing has always been a part of me where that allows me to express myself freely, where I'm free of all inhibitions or, or limitations or barriers, but I can just be me and write. So at the end of both my novels, when I looked bad at the story, I grew as a person while writing it as well. I, thought, I kind of understand, I, I understood my own friendships and relationships while I was writing the story of my characters. And I saw myself in each of my characters and 
in the, in the way they act, in the way they dealt with situations. It made me think on how I sort of perhaps dealt with situations better, where things, where I could have fixed things where I went wrong, or where I could have said a few things or not said some. So it just kind of helped me evolve as a person as well and helped me be a better friend, um, a better writer, and as a whole, a better person as well. My gosh, that's awesome. It's like, this just sounds like kind of like a triumphant moment right there because these books, they, they change you. They catch, they liberate you from like all these feelings, all these emotions, because you're able to just like get it out on paper right there. It's, see that, that's like, see that, ladies and gentlemen, that is like the power of books right there, being a writer. You're able to just like take your feelings, sort of take everything you've learned and share it with others. That's awesome. You know, but I got to talk to you about this because I mentioned you saying that there isn't really much, you know, guidance and like mentorship where you are for like, you know, young writers. So when you were, and I remember you saying, you know, you said that, you know, when you started writing, how difficult it was because you didn't, you knew very little about the publishing industry. You had to like, you and your family had to like figure all that out so you can get like to writing and self-publishing. So how do you think like there could be, you know, improvement uh, in the future for young writers who want to do what you've done? Right. So one thing that I noticed when I was looking for publishing houses is that they primarily look at adult authors or authors who are already established or have perhaps a few, no have had a few novels in the pipelines. They're not that open to either unsolicited manuscripts or new authors. So if these big publishing houses could have a section for young authors, for teen authors, it would be great. Or if teen authors such as myself try to mentor these new authors that they mean. So that's what I do myself. If somebody reaches out to me on social media or on LinkedIn, I go and help them through that publishing process since I've dealt with those things myself. So if we as authors also need to take charge of the new generation that's coming in. So it has to be a synergy of both publishing houses of um, the, the media also, and also us authors. So by just guiding these young minds to um, publication and then eventually being successful as well. Awesome. So you want to give to um, many writers what you weren't able to be given yourself. You're just yeah. being that, you're just being that, you know, that driving force, that light for the people right there. Awesome. So what are some of the, so just tell me about this. What are some of the maybe dangers or like obstacles that, um, or challenges that you um, often tell people to, you know, either avoid or just be aware of when they're starting out as writers? Right. So, um, there aren't any dangers per se, though there might be a few financial dangers involved since writing is not always a profitable business. So you may not be able to make a lot of money out of it. And I, But I don't think that's the goal of authors who start off young. Their, their goal ain't to make money just to write and to just express their feelings. So it's not a profitable business. And also this reminds me of um, this incident that happened with my second novel, Cruise. So we were looking at a publishing house for my second novel, Close, when I came about a somewhat famous 
publishing house based in South India. And then we reached out to them. They liked my manuscript. And then it got into the publication um, phase. And then we signed contracts. And my parents signed a contract on my behalf. And it stated of the services that they gave us of the amount of copies and how they'd help us. However, later on, as the book went into publication, the pandemic hit, and then the publishing house shut down. So then my novel was just kind of stuck there. And I never got my author copies from them. I don't, I, I wasn't aware if my novels were listed online, what what their sales rather were. And I never got paid. I, I never got paid the royalties that were due to me. So I never got paid for the books that got sold, which were written by me. So that is a danger, honestly. So be very, very, very when you're deciding on a, on a publishing house and even legalities or contracts can do nothing there. So it's best to go with very, but then the issue with very well-reputed houses are that they don't take young authors. They need established authors. So that's kind of a constant struggle. So we can't go with big houses like Harper Collins or, or Penguins. And that's the risk involved with going with these smaller houses. So that is a danger that you should be very wary of. So in such cases, the best option is to just is to just self-publish. So Tindale and Amazon has self-publishing options that you can um you can do. Right. My gosh, my gosh, what just what a punch in the face right there when you're just got shut out like that and not getting paid for something you rate you made, you created right there. And just then to have these publishing industries like say like, nope, sorry, we you know, don't take established, but it's like I can't get established if you don't publish me. So it's yeah, I could that just Oh my gosh, I just can't imagine how frustrating that might have been at the time. But, you know, when you found Amazon, you started uh, self-publishing. How do you plan to eventually, like, you know, break in? Do you plan, how do you plan to eventually, like, you know, break into more mainstream publishing if you want to go there? Or do you want to, like, continue to self-publish? Um, Honestly, I plan on continue to self-publish until I kind of develop a base for myself and until I'm an adult because these big publishing houses. So I've heard so many times that we might, we would have liked to publish a novel, but you're too young. You're too young to join into a legal contract. You're a minor. So they can't actually go through the legalities of it. So the best option for me or the most viable option for me until I'm 18 is to self-publish. And then perhaps by that time I might have a, base for myself, I might have developed a readership and become a somewhat established author. So these publishing houses might be more open to um, publishing my work. Mm, I see. I see. So yeah, it's just a annoying uh, wait time right there. And you are still a king, but I have no doubt you'll get that um, bestseller in and we'll all be reading your books. So What's something you absolutely, what's something you enjoy about self-publishing the most? I gotta wonder. The best part about self-publishing, honestly, it's kind of the best part and the worst part is the same thing, is that you have nobody to help you. So you're on your own. 
so you you can do stuff your own way there's there are no limitations on you no contracts on you so you're just free and you can do as you please you can market yourself as you please and it's all your responsibility so it is you who who's building yourself not somebody else and then that that's also the flip side of it is that it's just you it's just you and your family and like if you well wish us who would help in you grow so yeah So on one hand, it's liberating because you can do whatever you like, but at the same time, nobody's really there to walk you through it. Like you say, you're you're on your own. You got to figure it all out. Oh man, that does sound like a great yet kind of really annoying thing right there. But hey, you've managed to you know get three books out there already on your own, so you're off to a fantastic start. 100%. So now uh, I want to move from I'm curious about one other thing and and it goes back to your writing process because I asked uh, another guest about this and I'm wondering if that's how you do it as well. You know, because you've always attached your work to real life, your own experiences, your own like journeys and the people you've met. Um, for when it comes to like character building and like dialogue, have you ever had an instance where maybe you were like just eavesdropping or just listening to like other conversations or different things, and you thought like, oh, that will go good for like how my character sounds or how my or what my character is thinking? Right, I haven't perhaps eavesdropped on other conversations, though I have kind of um, visualized some of conversations that I. myself have had with a few friends or with a few people i know so i've not i've i've i try to keep my stories as authentic and as inspired from my own life than others since i understand my circumstances my experiences my emotions a lot better so i've fictionalized a few stuff here and there and i i think all authors are are guilty of it to some extent cuz the best content you have is you So, mm. yeah. The best content you have is you. I remember that one. I like that. That's a that's a good quote right there. So, okay, cool. So that's um you and your books. Uh, now just my final question regarding your books. When when you're getting ready to write your next one, what sort of theme do you think you uh, might take on if um you're planning on a new one or wanting to continue with your regular ones? I am working on a new one and this one's going to be a traditional Indian high school drama. So I mean we as Indian people are, are honestly very dramatic. And I've watched up growing Bollywood and I've been I've been obsessed with movies and with these fantastical over the top Bollywood movies. So I'm kind of ch- channeling into that dramatic side of me and my novel is all tamasha so tamasha actually means drama in hindi so in india we have a language called hindi as well so that's what the general public says so my novel tamasha is going to be in both english and hindi it's going to be bilingual so so that it could actually connect with the masses and connect with the way that people actually talk back here in india so it's going to be a traditional high school drama with betrayals friendships relationships studies sports just just to life as a whole 
and that's what's and that's what I'm planning to do. All right then, I look forward to seeing that one. So, a romance, huh? A linear romance. All right, I'll admit, I've not seen enough um, enough Bollywood films, so I'll have to check. But okay, now new random question: What is one Bollywood film you absolutely recommend? There are so many. I I think the one Bollywood movie that everybody has to watch is a recent one called RRR. That's yes. the one the Oscar, and I, I, I love that movie. And I think that's a very it's a very authentic a version of what Indian what the strength or what the power of Indian cinema has and what Indian cinema cinema could actually do. And though that's not my favorite movie per se, but that is a movie that everybody should watch once. Yes, I absolutely love the uh, Natsu Natsu song right there. And the just choreography in that was, oh my gosh, it was just a lot, so much fun to watch right there. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that uh, they won that uh, Oscar and that they were, you know, just getting that recognition right there because that's just, that's huge. That's important in cinema, just seeing that kind of work, that kind of representation come to light and, you know, get get awards and get, get the recognition they deserve, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So now let's just sort of die away from your writing to uh, your other uh, ventures because you have your blog um, straight from my pen where you tackle uh, financial literacy. Uh, reading your um, work, especially your one on uh, acquisitions, and like you've got a lot um, going um, going right there. It's really really good read right there. So you know as you continue reading the. Um, Financial literacy. I'm sorry, you're playing. That's. I'm, I'm just. I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, it's easy to you know teach like financial literacy and introduce these topics that people might not be aware of. What's something you want them to just like take home with them? Something they want to leave just really thinking about. Uh, one thing that I want to leave all readers of my blog with is that finance is everywhere, and it's it's in every field. It's in our daily life. So there is personal finance, right, with the way and how how you deal with your expenses, to how you do your taxes, and how how you pay your bills, how you earn a living. So finance is everywhere. And that finance is also being such an in, integral part of our lives is not taught in our school. We're not taught how to do taxes, how to budget, how to save, how just basic finance concepts that everybody should know. And in India here also that financial literacy is an almost absent concept to, to teenagers. So that's something that I want people to take back. That And, and finance is, is also pretty easy. It's not that complicated if you actually just... Um, try to learn about it. So it's it's such an integral life so that everybody should at least know the basics of it. Yeah. Everybody, everybody should indeed absolutely know the basics of it because like you said, it is everywhere and it is like, it can very much affect you in more ways than one. So, you know, as you're, so you guys stay aware of, aware of uh, everything at least the basic, you said just the basics of it in regards to saving and budgeting, 
money and how it works and banks and everything. So I understand agree with you on that part. Uh, and so knowing about financial literacy and just, you know, practicing that learning business, how's that helped you in your um, creative writing endeavors? Right. So um, I, I believe that writing is not just about creativity as a writer or as an author, we also have a responsibility to kind of share knowledge with the world and to kind of just help our readers grow as well. And my one passion is writing and then the other is finance and economics and business. So I, I just thought that the best way would be to merge these two. And that's why I also that to learn your financial concepts. I'm yet quite young, I'm just 15. I'm, I, I don't know everything. So I had to learn new concepts. I had to write them in a fun way, in a lot of easier way, and explain it to people as well. And also to create content. So that's the best way. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. We have to like share that knowledge with everybody else because it's not just, you know, the creativity like, the, oh, wow, that's so cool. But just like really get them to reflect 100% right there. And But, you know, my question was not just... Uh, in regards to like sharing knowledge and everything, but also how, building you up as as an author and like for your self publishing because being a self publisher, you're pretty much like a businesswoman right here. You're like sharing your marketing, you're like selling your work right there. That is like the finances in that, so you can like build your own revenue and like make your own income right there. So how's it um, built you in in that aspect? Right. So. It has definitely helped me become a better entrepreneur as well, because I believe that every author or every creative is somewhere an, an entrepreneur, right, as how we explained it. So as I read more about financial concepts, I read about how uh, how to market, how to sell your novels. So I read a lot of these art articles as well. So it's just kind of helped me grow as both as a, as a business student. It, has helped me understand a lot more concepts and the theory of the the theory of it. So the blog kind of helps me learn the theory of business, and my books and my um, writing helps me execute the practicality of the theory. So it's kind of like a synergy where I read and I execute. Okay, all right, I like that right there. That's a good answer. <sighs> so. As we start to um, get close to wrapping up this interview, I've got a few more questions to ask. And so one of them is the more you um, the more you study business and the more you can wear financial literacy, what is something you've become the most like wary of? Besides, you know, all the um, obstacles and um, obstacles in publishing, but just like in business in general, like with finances, because I know you stay up to date with all the news on that. Right. So one thing that I've personally learned is of the importance of independence that business has taught me. So business is such an unpredictable um, sector where, I mean, we've seen banks collapse. We've seen economies collapse within weeks, within days. So it just and it all just comes back to the very foundations of it all. So if you're truly independent and you can't actually rely in anybody, and that's something that is something that reflects in my writing and relationships as well is that you can't rely on anybody else but yourself. You you have you and it just you have to build yourself and build your foundations really, really strong. 
because it is so very unpredictable on what might happen next. So if your if your basics are clear, if your fine if your foundation is strong, no matter what, you will survive and you will go through even the biggest of obstacles. So business and writing and all of this has just taught me the importance of being independent. Being independent. That's great. Because you're right, people cannot, you know, just be too reliant on other entities like banks or governments. Because I was reading, like, I was listening in on, um, it was called Silicon Valley Bank, uh, this bank that, yeah, just collapsed. And due to, like, just poor um, business decisions and just a slew of other things that caused it to shut down. And a lot of people lost, like, precious money right there and just, like, a valuable asset while the people on top people running the board and everything, they knew how to like get out when the moment like called for it and they stayed independent. So it's just that danger of relying too much on something that could like ditch you and whether it collapses now that people running, it's still be well off right there. So it's just, honestly, it's kind of sad when those things happen, isn't it? Because like you said, those people like were just too reliant on it, you know? Right. I I totally agree, and I just all I some that already feel is that there's a lot of inequality in this world as well, as in where the top one percent or the top ten percent has all the gains, all the happiness, all the riches, and then the rest eighty to ninety percent is just stuck in the middle, just trying to become that top one percent. Hmm. Hmm. Totally. No, seriously. And so, yeah, people just become independent, like be aware, just, and don't let these, don't let these entities like take advantage of you. Like, like be your own, be your own people. So I have two more questions for you. The first one is where do you, where do you really see yourself like going from here? Like three books in, part of podcasts, magazines, and your own blog. Your name is coming like internationally known. Like where where do you see yourself going from here? I honestly dream of becoming a CEO one day and just being a successful entrepreneur. And I mean, I just want to do well in both of my interests. So I so my parents run an audit firm. So I would kind of wish to go in, in that field itself. So I kind of want to build, I honestly, it may seem very far-fetched, very overambitious, but I do wish to build an empire for myself, be it with publication, with literature, and then also with business and hardcore finance. So I just see myself as an, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as an author, and then also a very, pe- and a very pe- people's person. So I also wish to be a good friend, a good daughter, a good person as a whole as well. Ah, awesome. And yeah, I don't think anything is too far-fetched when it comes to your dreams, uh, Risha. So just just shoot for the stars, honestly, as they say. And so now for my last question. Looking back on everything you've done from the moment you first started writing to where you are now, What's what's one part of your life that you just reflect on the most? I reflect on myself the most, honestly, on how 
these experiences have changed me as a person, how I've grown as a person, what these experiences have taught me, what mistakes I've made, and what how I can avoid making them in the near future. Because I just feel that I honestly have built myself. So, and that's what I reflect on most and how I've changed, I've evolved, I've grown from somebody who was very underconfident about her worth, shy, and also to, to some extent embarrassed to promote her word to people to now becoming a lot more confident a lot more accepting and a lot more fiercer version of that of that young girl and I just honestly feel if that my eight-year-old self would be very proud of the person that I have made myself to be and that's what I reflect on the most and that's what honestly keeps me going I just on 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 moments I'm down on moments where I feel like it's too much I can't do it anymore I just think of that eight-year-old Risha who dreamt of being an author and this 15-year-old Risha who's accomplished that. And then I just think to this 15-year-old Risha and that 20, 24-year-old person that I want to be and the things that I want her to accomplish. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. That is a phenomenal answer right there. All right. So... Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode 32 of the upcoming. I want to give another big thank you to my guest, Risha. Thank, uh, Risha, thank you so much, Risha, for just coming on and giving us your incredible insight. I can't thank you enough for having me. Honestly, I should be the one thanking you and not the other way around. And thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful opportunity that you've given me. And just thank you so much from the very bottom of my heart. Well, you know, it's been my pleasure, Risha. So it's just great having people like you on as guests. This is why I love doing what I do. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it, like I said, for episode 32 of The Upcoming. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. And be sure to uh, stay tuned. We stream on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. We don't have Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is all. And... Ladies and gentlemen, good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. Best yet to come. Take care, everybody.